Hey, this is Steve. This podcast is all about making the gospel relevant to your life. That means discovering the good news of Jesus, no matter what you're going through today. While Jesus is teaching, he stops and addresses the listeners. He says that there are four different kinds of people who listen. We all tend to think that we're good at listening, but Jesus seems to imply that only about 25% of us are. How can we know if we're good listeners? My good buddy, Jeff, brings this important message to us today about listening and hearing the Word of God. Good morning. Good morning, church. How is everybody? Y'all ready for this? I love how everybody says yes, and yet what I've got to tell you this morning is the answer to that is no. I'll tell you what I mean in a minute, but I hope you're all ready. I really do. I hope all of you are ready to hear God's word this morning, not ready to hear me, thank goodness, but God's word doesn't return void because it stays the same no matter who preaches it. I just hope, he, I just hope he'll speak through me this morning. And the room is full, which means you guys didn't know Steve wasn't coming this morning. I know how that usually works. And somehow people always find out. They always do. But y'all didn't find out. It's, it's, it's full in here. I'm grateful. You might not be, but I am. So this morning, we're going to continue our series with Mark. So open up to the book of Mark, chapter 4. I want to talk about four hearers this morning. Four kinds of hearers. That's annoying. I'm setting that down. All right. Four kinds of hearers. Everybody there? Matthew 4. So all along the coast of the beautiful Sea of Galilee, people sat to hear Jesus teach from a boat. This is from a few weeks back when we went to Israel. Um, it would have been something like this. Uh, Jesus got in a boat, made his way out of here while the people uh, sat or stood to hear him tell stories. Jesus was a master storyteller. People love to hear those life lessons from Jesus. And Jesus would often use the simplicity of everyday life to teach a lesson. We call these things parables. It's a short story meant to teach a lesson. In this case, the parable itself would not be fully comprehended underscoring the whole meaning of the parable itself. Let me tell you what I mean. So what he would do is Jesus would use different scenarios. Now Galilee isn't, those of you that traveled with us to Israel, some of you might have been shocked at just how lush and beautiful much of Israel is. Yeah, it, there are desert areas in, Jerusalem, in Israel, but much of Israel is lush and beautiful. And at certain times of the year, like, I've been in February once, and it was like every shade of green you can think of, especially in the area of Galilee. Galilee it has all kinds of stuff. You've got banana trees galore. Uh, you've got, uh, yeah, mango trees. You've got fig trees. All kinds of stuff growing in Galilee. And Jesus would take scenarios um, that people understood and use them to teach lessons. In this case, farmers sowing seed. So he tells this story about four different kinds uh, 
uh, four different scenarios where the farmer scatters his seed. Now, most farmers don't simply just scatter seed wherever they they want to on the property and hope that they get a hope that they get a crop. That's not how being a farmer is, and people knew that. But sometimes he would take his little pouch and he would take his seed and he would sling it out there, and on some of it would hit the good area that he had he had prepared, and some of it might hit other places. But in this case, and I want to go ahead and give you a spoiler. The seed is the word of God, and Jesus is going to say that in a minute. But I say that because I want you to be thinking about this the whole time. The seed is the word of God, and so therefore it is the preaching of the word of God. The ground is you. You are the soil prepared to receive the word of God. Does that make sense? Now, what do we know about soil? What do we know? If you want there to be fruit, if there's going to be any produce, the ground can't be left like it is, can it? No, there, there, there is tilling that goes to prepare for the seed. There is fertilizing. There is watering. There is, uh, some, in some cases, nutrients have to be put into the soil. There is a lot of work that goes into making sure the soil is ready to receive the seed. But in this case, while the preacher who preaches the word of God is not the one who prepares the ground, that is you. The preacher simply sows the seed, the word of God. So the question I want you to be thinking about this morning is have you prepared yourself for the God's word this morning and every day, not just on Sundays? Are you preparing yourself to receive God's word because it is of most importance to you? Now, the majority of you are going to want to answer that. I think I have. Don't be quick. So all possible attention must be given to the ground if one hopes for growth to occur. Um, John Piper points out that there are four types of hearing done and that hearing is what this passage is all about. It's not so much about the sowing or, or the reaping or anything like that, but it's about the hearing. And you'll understand why as we read the text. But there's four types of hearing done the word of God's proclaimed, and here they are. Let's look at the text. Um, Mark chapter 4, starting in verse 1. Let's look at the first three verses. It says, Again he began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them. That many things, about many things in parables. And in his teaching, he said to them, Listen! There's an exclamation mark on it. I just want to say it so loud. <laughs> Listen! He sandwiches his parable, mind you, this is important. He sandwiches his parable in a very similar fashion. That first word is key. Listen! Behold, there was a sower who went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came, and they devoured it. That's one kind of hearer, the pathway hearer. 
All right, verse 5. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. That's the second kind of hearer, the rocky hearer. Verse 7, other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. That's the third kind, the thorny hearer. Verse 8, and other seeds fell into the good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. So there we have the fourth type of hearer, the fertile hearer. And immediately you sit there and say, that's me. I'm the fertile hearer because I'm a Christian and I believe and I come here every Sunday. Everybody wants to identify with that type of hearer. But this type of hearer only accounts for 25%. Did you hear that? Only one-fourth of the types of hearers fall in that category. And it's not the biggest portion. The first one, and we'll talk about that, is the biggest portion. People who receive the Word of God only... Only a, only a percentage of them are in our fertile soil ready to receive it. Guys, this is a sobering thought, especially to pastors who get discouraged and feel like, man, I, I'll come and I'll preach and there's just no, nobody responding. Nobody, nobody's getting excited about it. Nobody's, nobody's being transformed or changing. People aren't getting saved or something. It can be very disheartening to, to pastors who preach, but Jesus himself, who he's Jesus, Right? And this crowd was swollen, huge. And yet Jesus is acknowledging that the majority of these people, they fall in not that fourth category, but one of the other ones most likely. So it's a sobering thought for us, and it ought to be a sobering thought for you, because if only 25% is represented as fertile soil, that means 100% of you need to take heed and listen. Like Jesus said, listen. Now, he said in verse 9, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. That's important. And when he was alone, that's how he ended it. He starts off and says, listen. He ends it and says, if you have ears to hear, then hear and when he was alone, those around him with the twelve, uh, uh, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. And he said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is parables, it's just stories to them. Apparently, when he says, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Apparently, what that means is that you can have an ear to hear. You, can you might have a physical ear on your head, but you don't hear anything. You might have two ears on your head and still don't hear anything. You might come to church every single Sunday and hear the Word of God and hear nothing. Tony Evans made a mention about this one time uh, about this verse. He said, he said, 
married people really understand this. Because I can be sitting in there watching, watching television, and you guys can be sitting in there watching TV, and you're nodding your head and everything. You, 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 yeah, and you're, you're, you're responding, but you ain't, you ain't hearing anything. I've got a problem with this. You see, I'm, I'm extremely one-track-minded. People will tell you that, especially my wife. If, if, if I'm playing guitar, for example, if I'm watching TV or playing guitar, like if I'm watching TV, I have to like pause it. Everybody's like, stop pausing the TV. I can't tell what they're saying. You can hear them. It's plenty loud enough. But you're having a conversation, and there's two conversations, and I can't focus. <laughs> and people get so angry at me, and I just can't help it because I'm so one-track-minded. But I'm playing guitar, right? And, and I've actually made people upset with this, and I don't mean to be this way. But I'll be playing, and I'm, like, looking right at you. Truth is, I'm looking through you. But I'm looking right at you, and I'm nodding, you know. And as you're talking, I'm nodding, and I don't know you're there. I'm serious. And so as you're talking, you're asking questions, and I may say, yeah. I might even say, I don't know. Mm -hmm. And when it's all said and done, I'm like, did you say something? <laughs> and then people get mad at me. I don't mean it. I'm so one-track-minded. I'm focused on what I'm trying to do there. But what this means is that I'm hearing you, but I don't hear you. You ever, you ever did that with somebody trying to have a conversation, especially your parents with your kids, and be like, you know, repeat what I just said back to me. And they, get, they catch the last word or two. You know, I do that to my father. She, she does that to me. I say with the kids. But she, she's like, tell me what I just said. Um, rice. Why am I married to you? But you do it with somebody, you're like, are you listening to me? Not, you know, and they can repeat what you said back to them. You get done, you, you're talking to your kids, and they, they heard every word, but they didn't hear nothing. They didn't hear anything, and you know it. You know it. What that means is that we can have physical ears to hear, but we don't hear anything. So the way John Piper put it, he says, is, he, says um, he who has ears physically let him hear spiritually is a way to look at it. Um, but I love the second part of that. It says, after he told all this swole crowd about, uh, about the parable, it was his 12, just his 12, that came to him and said, I want to understand it. They said, explain to us the parable now that we might know. See, that's the difference in the soul, the, the fertile soul hearer you want to know more you're not content to say I came to Jesus and I went to church on Sunday and I heard a good message and I said amen and Steve, Steve pulled a couple of amens out of me and I left I told him it was a good sermon and then you go and you live like hell the rest of the week it's not good enough but when you truly desire to feast on the word of God Man, it is enriching, and it changes your life from the inside out. These guys said, I want more. So they came to Jesus for the real understanding. What's that? You're a great storyteller. Now give us the real meaning of this parable. You see, like, I love Olive Garden. Anybody like Olive Garden? Man, I love Olive Garden. I would trade this Longhorns over here 
for Olive Garden all day long. But when I go to Olive Garden, which isn't that often, because, uh, you know, <laughs> it's, it's all the way in Canton, and, and sometimes we're broke. But when, when you go to Olive Garden, when I go, I'm going to tell you what I'm getting. Most likely, if I, most likely, unless they got some kind of a sell on something else, because everything they have is good. Advertisement, product placement. Anyway, so when, I, when we go, my wife and I both love to get chicken carbonara. You ever had that? Oh, it's heaven. It's heaven in your mouth. But when you order any meal from Olive Garden, you get a something like this. You get an appetizer of soup or salad and breadsticks and whole oh, my mama. This is the one I get. This is called chicken gnocchi soup. And it is awesome. These little things are kind of like dumpling potato-ish things with with chicken and 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 the 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 carrots and the veggies it's just mm, it's just so good and i'll eat it and i eat that whole bowl and i'll dip my breadsticks they're like they're like drugs i'll dri dip my breadsticks in it and they're so good now you can get that or you can get the salad and dude i don't even like salad and their salad is even good they put that olive garden dressing on it and it just mm. and so you get this appetizer right and if you eat too much of it, by the time your meal gets there, you're not even wanting the meal anymore. And so what I'll do is I'll eat that bowl and I'll scarf it down so fast. And the thing is, it's, it's unlimited soup. <laughs> and so I'll finish it. They'll be like, do you want more soup? And I'll say, yes, ma'am, or yes, sir. Now, I know I'm not going to eat that second bowl of soup, though, even though I could, even though I want to. You know Why? Because I'm going to put it in a to-go bowl and I'm going to take it home and I'm going to have another meal. And then when my, meal, my main meal gets here, I can actually eat some, right? Because I know the chicken carbonara is coming. And while this is good, man, it's so good. I have my wife, she found a recipe and she can make it just like it. Oh, it's so good. And while I know this is good, the chicken carbonara, oh, son. It has shrimp in it, <laughs> and the, the perfectly grilled chicken, and the bacon. You heard that right. It has bacon in it. <laughs> Little pieces of, like, bacon ham-like stuff. I don't know. It's just good. Dipping your breadsticks in that tastes even better. And I know the chicken carbonara is coming, and I'm preparing myself for it. The appetizer is only meant to whet your appetite for the good stuff. And the parable is only meant to whet your appetite. Come in here on Sunday morning. Guys, if the only spiritual growth you think you're getting is by coming here on Sunday morning and then you go throughout the week and you have no encounter with God whatsoever, guys, you're living on the, you're living on the appetizers and never receiving the real thing. The main course, the meal is what you were meant for. The appetizer is just meant to whet your appetite for what you're getting ready to have. And some of you have come here every single Sunday, maybe, and you hear the Word of God, but you don't hear the Word of God. You understand what I'm saying? Good, then we can move on. 
Next verse really bolsters the entire passage. Verse 12 says, So that they may indeed see and not perceive. And they may indeed hear and not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. And Jesus was right. They were so close, this big crowd, so close. Jesus, teach us more. He could actually forgive and heal us of more than just physical ailment. You come here on Sunday mornings and you are so close to radical life change that will just shine a light around everybody you get around. And don't tap into it. You can be so close and miss it. And that's what Jesus said is, has, has happened. These people, and it was a fulfillment of prophecy in Isaiah. See, these people have shut their ears and they have closed their eyes to the truth. It's right in front of them. And that continues with, with God's people to this very day have still closed their eyes to Jesus. And it could not be more obvious. But John Piper, he elegantly um, said this about this verse. He said, what this verse means is that there are two kinds of hearing, one with physical ears on the head and one with spiritual ears of the heart. Hearing with physical ears, they do not understand with spiritual ears. And this, he says, is one of the reasons he uses the parables. So that hearing they may not understand. Now, that, that word, so that, bothers a lot of people. Is, is he hiding something here? So that hearing they may not understand. In other words, the parables are part of Jesus' concealing and hardening ministry as well as part of his revealing and saving ministry. That's a hard truth. If you don't know and understand and love the Word of God, it is. You see... Proverbs 25.2 is a verse that my dad quotes to me all the time. Almost every time I go to visit him. Because basically whatever sermons he's had really bubbling over since I last met him, he's, he's got to preach them to me. And so I get a sermon, multiple sermons, every time I go visit him. And I love it. I love it. Proverbs 25.2, though, he, say, he tells me, and he says, it's, It is the glory of God to conceal things, but the glory of kings to search them out. In other words, the concealing, God, you were meant to search the mysteries of God. To desire Him more is what you were designed for. Steve has talked about this in the past weeks. You were meant to delight yourself in the Lord, to find your Eden in Him. And when you do, you crave more. When you truly hear not just with your ears, but with your spiritual ears. When you truly hear the word of God and it's taking place, and you, man, it starts changing you and you can't get enough. And you're starting to realize you might not be the fourth kind of hearer because you're like, that's, maybe you're sitting there thinking, that's really kind of not me right now. Be honest with yourself this morning. Verse 13, and he said to them, do not understand, do, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word, the word of God. Again, Jesus makes it very clear that this parable is about hearing and the need to 
understand the word of God. He says, the sower sows the word. Now the seed is the word of God, like we said. And here in this story, we see four kinds of hearers, four different types of soul, but the seed stays the same, notice. There's different kinds of soul, same seed. What that means is that if the word of God is preached to you every Sunday, yet there is no life change. If the word of God is preached to you, yet you are not moving to, toward holiness like you're meant to do. If it's not changing you, if there are not things in your life that people can see and say, man, you're not the same person you was this time last year. If that's not happening, the problem is not the word of God not being effectual in your life. The word of God won't return void. It is the word of God and the power unto salvation and the power to change lives. The problem is not the seed. Check the ground. Check the ground. Jesus' story here basically puts the ball squarely in your court this morning. Kind of here you are makes all the difference in the world the seed is the same it's perfectly capable of producing fruit in your life but are you let's look at each here first fill in the blank the pathway makes you hopeless the pathway makes you hopeless verse 15 and these are the ones along the path where the word is sown when they hear Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. Greg Morse said this. He said, you and I might miss a Sunday sermon, but Satan, he does not. You and I might neglect feasting on the word, but Satan, he, he will not. The devil is the most regular and most attentive church attender there is. He is actively at work to snatch the seed of God, snatch the seed of God's word from those who find themselves along the pathway. And I got news for you. According to God's word, the pathway represents the biggest portion. And so why, why else would it be that this is the only one of the hearers where Satan is explicitly mentioned? He's, does, he's not even show up in any of the other explanations. But this one, this is his main bread and butter here. This is his battlefield. Um, Bible tells us that Satan in John 10.10, 10, his mission is to steal the seed away from you, to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That's all he cares about. Yet, those on the path don't see it until it's already snatched away. There's uh, some of you have no doubt heard about the controversy that Target had about a month ago. Um, during their Pride Month, they partnered up with this company. Um, I can't say it. Abprilin. Abprilin. I don't know. This is their main webpage, the, the company that Target partnered up with, and, and it was quite a controversy. As you can see, uh, their main page here is all satanic. Um, it says, Satan respects pronouns. Um, the guy is in his brief, so I, I cut it off right here. 
And they, they partnered up with them as part of their pride campaign. They sell t-shirts that say, Satan is love. They've taken the very attributes of God and applied them to Satan, who is the opposite of the attributes of God, because confusion is Satan's end game. And this is all about confusion. And of course, day late and a dollar short, they, they finally, you know, relented and, and cut ties with them, you know. It's too late, but... See, here's the thing. Their company says this. They say... Um, they say, the, the company says, we do not believe in a real Satan, which is exactly what Satan wants you to believe, by the way. We do not believe in a real Satan, but that the Satan we praise is a representation of the opposite of the hate that Christianity represents. It's opposite world here. When you don't know, you don't hear what the Word of God says. Because it teaches the opposite. To know God is to know love. That's what they say. It says, so they have tried to hijack the attributes of God and describe, ascribe them to Satan instead. And they want you to celebrate it with shirts that say, Satan is love. Satan respects you and your pronouns and your desires and your whatever. Satan loves the pathway, and that is the broad path. You want to know why you feel like you're in the minority if you feel differently about these things? Because you, you are. <laughs> Satan loves the pathway. Why is that? Because the pathway is wide. And that's why the pathway is wide. Matthew 7, 13 through 14 says, Jesus said this. He said, enter by the narrow gate, the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. What this means is the pathway is a hopeless place. What this means is the majority of people who sat out there and said, Tell us a story, Jesus, was on a pathway. Because the pathway is like this. And the way of truth the fertile soul, those who accept the word of God as it's supposed to be, are on a narrow path. And that ought to scare the daylight out of you this morning. It ought to make you think. My chances of being on this path instead of this road are far greater. There's a reason Jesus only ascribed 25% of the hearers to those who receive with fertile ground the word of God and it changes them if you got ears to hear hear see the pathway teaches this I'm good enough people are mostly good I can assure you we're not and you cannot be holy and will not enter the presence of a holy God unless you are which is the whole reason Jesus died to take your sin because the Bible says that all of sin and falls short of the glory of God. All means you. 
And no amount of doing good deeds, no matter what the world may tell you on the, on the pathway, no amount. The pathway teaches if you do enough good deeds, sure, you can believe there's a heaven. Well, whatever name you want to call God and all this. And if you do enough good things, you know, then, then you'll outweigh the bad things. And, and you're mostly good and, and karma. Karma. I don't know where I'm going with that. <laughs> That's what the pathway teaches. What Jesus says is, you get what you don't deserve. And it's only through Him. And by any works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to His mercy, He has saved us. The pathway's wide. Here the concerns of the world and, for, uh, and the glamour of self-indulgence are the main focal points. C.S. Lewis um, was an excellent writer, and he, he wrote a book that, I, that I've read um, called The Screwtape Letters, and maybe you've read it before. It's a fictional work uh, based, on, based on truth. Um, basically, it is uh, meant to illustrate. Uh, he, he, you've got um, this senior demon... Um, uncle, uh, uncle Screwtape. He sends. Um, he, he's counseling his nephew Wormwood on how to deal with humans. So it gives us sort of a glance into the other side from the enemy's standpoint. What kinds of tactics are the devil and his his demons taking against God's people? And those tactics are pretty obvious if you really pay attention. But it really dives in deep. <coughs> Excuse me. To help illustrate, he tells this story of one of, um, uh, he tells his nephew the story of one of his humans who wandered off into dangerous thoughts, Christian thoughts, while at a British museum. It said, before I knew it, I, I, I saw, uh, before I knew where I was, I saw my 20 years work beginning to totter. If I had lost my head and begun to attempt a defense, my argument, I should have been undone I had nothing to say but I was not such a fool I struck instantly at the part of that man which I had best under my control and suggested it was just about time he had some lunch how simple some of the tactics are pretty simple aren't they how many times has the Word of God been ineffectual in the ears of a churchgoer simply because they were distracted by the world, simply because they were distracted by, it's a little too hot in here. I haven't had lunch yet. I wonder where we're going to go eat lunch. Oh, man, if I don't beat everybody out of here, it, they're going to crowd the hallway, and I don't want to talk to anybody. I want to make sure I get in the car. I want to get there before the line gets too big. There's so many simple things, the cares of this world. We're so easily distracted, aren't we? How many times has the Word of God proven ineffectual because you haven't prepared yourself for the Word of God? See, the thing is, the pathway teaches us your gut's important. Your desires are important. Who you want to be, what you want to do, follow your heart. The worst advice in the world. Because the heart, the Bible tells us, is 
desperately wicked. But the pathway says, follow your heart. And you will follow it right to the point where you hear God's word and miss it 100%. Because you're concerned with the glitter and the glamour of the path. Number two, the rocks. Let's talk about the rocky, uh, the rocky here. The rocks make you fickle. That is your next fill in the blank. The rocks make you fickle. Verse 16, and these are the ones sown on the rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy, and they have no root in themselves. But they endure for a little while, and then when tribulation or persecution arises on the account of the word, Immediately they fall away. So if that's the kind of listener you are, you fall in love with the stories. You fall in love with the stories. Many of Jesus' crowd fit this category. Like I said, he was a master storyteller, and they loved Jesus' stories. Maybe you love to come and hear the preaching of the Word of God. But you can hear, as we've talked about, and not hear anything. John Bunyan wrote a book called Pilgrim's Progress many, 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 many years ago. To this day, still one of the best-selling books ever. And in his book, which is an allegorical book, describing the journey of the Christian, there's a man named Pilgrim who leaves his city, which is destined for destruction, as the name of the city is Destruction. So he leaves the city of destruction after having read this book. And all of a sudden, he has a heavy burden on his back. He is burdened by his own sin and his inability to save himself. And so he wonders from his city of destruction when he hears a man named Evangelist comes and talks to him and tells him that you can flee the judgment of God. And so he starts this journey to try and figure this out. And on his journey, as he carries this heavy burden with him, one of the men, one of his neighbors from, uh, one of his neighbors from the city of destruction comes to find him, comes looking for him to bring him back to the city of destruction. And when he gets there, the, the man's name is Pliable. Everybody's name is very, very obvious what they represent. He didn't want to, you know, he, he wanted to make it very obvious for you. So the man's name is Pliable, and he finds Pilgrim, and he says, Pilgrim, Pilgrim, come back to your family. Come back to the, the city of destruction. And he's like, we're doomed for destruction. Why would I do that? He says, but I've heard from this man evangelist that we can flee the judgment of God. Pliable says, we can escape the destruction? Yeah. And that's what I'm seeking out here. And he's like, well... This sounds great. I'm going to come with you then. And so he starts traveling with Pilgrim, and he's asking him these questions. He's all the good things. He's like, oh, yeah, there's heaven. He tells him about heaven. He's like, tell me more about heaven. Oh, I love the, the way that sounds, and, and who's going to be there, and all this. And he's asking these questions, and, oh, man, he joyfully receives the word, and he's so excited about it. And he travels along for a little while, and he keeps saying, hurry up, hurry up, Pilgrim. Pilgrim's like, I've got this heavy burden on my back that you don't have. I'm hurrying best I can. And so what happens is later on they get laughed at and they, get, they run into some trouble. And Pliable's excited attitude starts to change and it dwindles down and then they finally 
to the point where they, they both wind up on this path. They fall into this slough of despond. And so as they, as they fall into the slough, his burden, man, Pilgrim's just getting sucked in deeper and deeper. And, and Pliable, he's had enough. He, he don't have a burden. He climbs out real quick, and he's like, if, if this is the place your book's talking about, I'm not interested, I'm out of here. He takes off, leaves Pilgrim, <laughs> just leaves him floating away, and he heads back to the city of destruction. Luckily, Pilgrim calls out for help, and man shows up his name was help <laughs> he's like I heard you calling um, pliable is sitting in this room pliable might be you who come here and you'll have an emotional experience and you lift your arms and you praise God, which is great. Emotions are God-given and they are a part. Man, when I hear the word of God, I get excited too. You, you know I get up here and I jump around and I get excited and, and, and I'll sing. But guys, some people come here and they're, they're just here for the emotion and they're here to get excited and they're here to hear about heaven. I want to hear about, I want to go to heaven. I want to, I want to do this. I want to do that. And then they go and they don't, they're not a part of a, not a part of a life group. They're not, not doing any kind of ministry or, 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 or growing outside of the church, not even reading your Bible throughout the week, never sharing your faith with anybody else. But I come here on Sundays and boy, I get excited and I'm pliable. Pliable's sitting in this room. Some pliables come here to be entertained by a good storyteller or to be entertained by music. Guys, let me tell you something. When this worship team, when we come up here to worship, when you see me hopping around with my guitar like a dummy, when you see us singing and putting the very best and we can, when you see the lights change, for example, we do these things kinds of things not to put on a show for you we are not interested in entertaining you we do these things as a presentation of worship to a holy God but without a clear understanding even the word of God you can be deceived into hearing and not hearing not being transformed by it and these are the ones who are fickle and you'll know because, you know because they'll say I'm deconstructing my faith now I'm deconstructing my have you heard some of these deconstruction stories from people or some people who say you ever heard somebody say I used to be a Christian <laughs> no you didn't no you didn't because if you ever truly made him Lord then he's Lord But if you take it back for yourself, he wasn't Lord. And if he wasn't Lord, then you're not his. And so there seems to be a little growth at first, but there's no root. You're not rooted in Christ Jesus. And he says, because there's no root, they fall away. And that's why it happens. You fall by the wayside during the journey. i got to move on. So next, the thorns. Let's talk about the thorns for a second. The thorns make you half-hearted. That's your next fill in the blank. The thorns make you half-hearted. Verse 18, And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but 
the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and they choke the word and it proves unfruitful. This is because the secular supersedes the spiritual in your life. When your deeds are proclaimed at what Paul refers to as the Bema seat of Christ. This is where, this is not where the Lamb's book of life is written. If your name is in the Lamb's book of life, it is by no works of righteousness that you have ever done, but according to his mercy, he has saved us. It is the grace of God if you enter into heaven. But the Bema seat of Christ tells all that we have done, and there are crowns to be had in heaven, and there are positions to be had in heaven. When these things are awarded and when what has been done to the glory of God is proclaimed in heaven, there will be no mention of batting averages. Not once will it be mentioned how many times your team won a ball game. Nobody is going to announce the size of your bank account when you closed your eyes in death. And nobody is going to care anything about how successful a business you built from the ground up. You understand that? But unfortunately for so many, the secular supersedes the spiritual. And so there are people who will even come here on on a Sunday and hear the word of God but I can't really get involved. I can't really be changed by it. I can't really get involved with this. I can't be in a life group. I can't do that. I can't do these things because I've got, I'm too busy. I've got work. I've got a schedule. You don't understand these things. And I've got to take care of my family, you know. And God wants me to take care of my family. And I want to make sure they have all the good things that I never had, you know, and all this stuff. And all these cares for the secular supersede the spiritual that you know you should be doing. And life change can't happen. And Jesus says what it's doing is it's taking the word of God that is coming to you. And it's choking it before it even has a chance to enter in and and bear fruit. Jesus says, you will prove unfruitful if this is you. You will show your true colors. But the last one, let's look at the last one. The fertile soil makes you holy. The fertile soil makes you holy. Verse 20. But those who were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and they accept it and they bear fruit 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. They are truly hearers of the word. The fertile soil hearer are the ones who truly hear the word. And where much is given, you know, he who is faithful with a few things He'll make you ruler over many, Jesus says. And in other passages here, it's, it's like basically what this means is that if you're faithful when you are given the word of God, guess what? You're going to bear 60-fold, 100-fold. And, and you know what? Those people who, who come and they're radically changed and they let the word of God take seed in their life and they're not concerned with with getting the lunch and all this stuff but they're they're like man i want to receive the word of god i want to let it transform me if that's you this morning guess what not only can it transform you but you will be blessed with more transformation 
tomorrow when you open God's word and the next day and the next day and Sunday when you come just out of the abundance of all God's doing in your life you're going to hear the word of God preached again maybe from a standpoint you wasn't thinking about and to the glory of God you're going to bear even more fruit and that's how it's supposed to be so I ask you this morning are you a part of the 25% because there's a good chance I hope our percentage is higher than that there's a good chance I mean this was Jesus's percentages here this is Jesus's he's like there's you know is divided up and only a fourth of them are, are this kind of hearer which are you but these are truly the hearers of the word and they are truly doers of the word and we finish up with this James 1 verse 22 through 25 says this but be doers of the word and not hearers only because you're deceiving yourselves for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror for he looks at himself and then goes away and forgets what he looked like but the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. That's what I want for you. That's what we want for you. The Word of God would take seed in your life and start producing fruit. You know how to know that you're the fourth kind of hearer? The fruit the fruit you'll bear fruit Jesus if Jesus has taken root in your life you're bearing fruit you don't just come here on Sunday mornings but your whole life is about kingdom work you're kingdom minded in everything that you do so the conclusion today is simple you need to respond by taking a a, a simple and honest evaluation of which kind of hearer you are. But if you're coming to church and you're hearing the word of God and there is no change or fruit, the seed is not the issue, check the ground. 